are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Spoiler alert, it's about SVB. So um, we're going to dive right in, but a little bit of context, a little bit of background on myself and CyberSmart about what we do. Um, so my background is in technology and cyber. I spent the last 15 years either building technology products, running tech teams, or helping companies do all the great stuff around data protection, from technical security all the way up to the governance risk and compliance piece. And like most founders, the, re- the reason we started CyberSmart was because of the amount of pain and frustration we saw when it came to our customers, the people we're working with day in, day out, and we just needed to solve this problem. What we do at CyberSmart is really focus on how SMEs can be enabled by cybersecurity. Um, so it's a really difficult challenge because most SMEs are not really aware of the, the risks they face or how best to approach them. So what we do is we build a, a unified platform for small businesses to basically tackle this. So our mission is to protect and empower SMEs. That's one of the main reasons why we went down the funding venture route. There's a lot of amazing companies I've spoken today that are bootstrapped. I think that's a really, really good way of solving a problem. For us, we think the problem of the time is now. Um, so I'm going to take you a, a li- little bit through that journey. Our most recent Series B, which US terms, it's probably a lowercase b because it's quite, quite a small Series B. But for us, it was really about hitting that milestones and getting the right investors. So I'm going to talk through that as well. So um, setting a little bit of context. So when I set the scene, the last year has been really rough. And as most of you know, it's not going to get any better for the next 12, 18 months when it comes to the funding market as well. Um, so just going through some of the, those context pieces, some of the ways we had to change how we're presenting ourselves and the approach we had when it came to fundraising as well. Then I want to kind of take you behind the scenes a little bit, uh, how we ran the deal process, how we closed it, and how we figured out what the right investor for us really looked like. And then finally, um, two of the most important roles in your business as well. Um, how, why we love Founder Path, I'm going to touch on that too, and finding some key lessons um, to wrap up. So let's dive in. Um, so first bit I'm going to talk about is kind of that behind the scenes, looking through that deal process too. So last, the last two years has really been a bit of a uh, hell on earth, I guess, for most, most companies. And uh, one of the, the key things for us as a company is always to look at these kind of inflection points that are happening outside the business and try and, try and utilize those and see the silver lining. So the pandemic was a massive shift in like how businesses work. Now, being in cybersecurity, this is a, a lot of industries SaaS has benefited hugely from, but essentially the move to remote work has really impacted everyone. It's about the not only the benefits that businesses have, have been able to take on, also the risks. So every time this happened, we sat the team down and said, this is what's happening in the world. Um, this is where the challenges that we face. This is why it's going to be quite tough for us, and this is what we're going to do about it. And it's the same, the same theme throughout all this um, in a previous talk I did, uh, the Founder 500 conference, I really don't dove more into these. I'm going to just kind of touch on them briefly here uh, in terms of this. But what we're now facing is this last phase, which is the recession. And that's going to reverberate for quite a long time. So a lot of what we did was about like positioning ourselves in order to, to accomplish that. When it got to fundraising, so we kicked off the fundraising process um, about January last year, so about 15 months ago now. 
obviously it was um, it was not a good time. It's not going any better since then. Um, but we were looking at like, what's our story? Like we're, we're pitching VCs, like tier one VCs. How are we going to get? How are we going to get the cash? Our revenue growth, as you can see here, looks a lot like a, um, some of the bootstrap companies. But we had a lot of cash, and we were burning a lot of cash, like hundreds of thousands of dollars per month to achieve this kind of revenue growth. It's it's kind of average, right? So we had to really look at like where's our where's our where's our strength as a company? What's the thing we're really nailing, and what do we want to double down on? And really, for us, it was about our unit economics. So there's a, a, uh, a shift in our go-to-market that happened, and actually, we started to accelerate throughout last year which was a shift towards our partner channel. So uh, CyberSmart sells into small businesses. We had quite a few partners. Uh, so these are managed service providers, so people managing IT on behalf of other small businesses, where it took us, I'd say, a good two years to really figure out how best to position the product, to package it up, to enable them. Like, you know, partners are like this amazing channel, um, at, but they really do take a lot of time and work to get, get up and running. Uh, once we figured that out, we were able to basically double down on that. So our unit economics, our, our customer acquisition cost, lifetime value was 1 to 15. Our net revenue retention was about 160% a year for partners. And our gross retention was about 99% a month or about 86% a year. So really, really sticky customer base that we're able to essentially land and expand in. So we called this model, we called it a partner-led product growth model. So we were landing into partners and they were selling into their customers, maybe one or two to start, but 20 or 30 over time. Um, so that's really what we focused our whole story on. Um, when it came to finding our, our ideal investor, we really focused on an investor that understood the fundamentals of unit economics. We spoke to one VC that said, oh, we don't look at companies that are not growing three or four X a year. And I'm like, who's growing three or four X a year right now? That's crazy. Like we were in like 60, as you see on that previous slide, like 60, 70% a year, not three or four X. Um, so this is... When we started that process, this is, these are actual things that, that VCs I pitched said to me. I pitched about 100, uh, 100 different VCs. I'm, I'm thinking like 200, 250, 300 meetings, like two or three meetings a day. It, it was savage. I mean, I was literally just sitting there. My wife's sitting over there in the front row, but she, she, like, she can do my pitch off by heart right now because we sit like shoulder to shoulder on a little tiny desk in our flat, one-bedroom flat. And like it was just continuous, like... Uh, trying to manage that deal flow. So it's very much like a pipeline. Um, so any sales process would go through this. My, my favorite one's probably the one at the bottom, which is like, just like, this was an, actually an Austrian VC, and they're like, we just don't see the business case. It's like, well, you obviously don't see what we're trying to do here. Um, but it's really tough. I mean, when you're going through this, and it's just like setback after setback, rejection after rejection. And last year, I don't think there's a the single point in the entire year where we had more than three months runway. So throughout this process as well, we had to make sure that we had cash in the bank and we're trying to keep the team on this journey as well. So it was really tough. And this, this is basically how I felt. I mean, that, that emoji, I think, describes it pretty good. Um, you feel like you're failing as a founder. You feel like your company's failing. You feel really frustrated because you're like, why doesn't anyone believe in me? Why does no one give me a chance? You feel angry. Why didn't we do this? Why did we you know, make these decisions to get to where we are? It's really, really, it can be quite a crushing crushing blow to you as a founder. And I, I shared all this with the team. I said, this is, this is what I'm going through. This is why I need your support. And I need you to really focus on hitting these numbers and maintaining good unit economics because we will get there. It's just taking us a lot longer than we expected. And this is me on one of calls, yet another presentation. Um, just, just basically, like, um, we're, we're still in through those. But one important bit as well, it's not just about like sitting there machine gun firing meetings back to back, like reflecting on what's working, what's not. 
Um, refining your, your ideal investor as well and your pitch and your presentation is really important. So usually I'd have someone jump on the calls as well. They would just be listening and then after say, how, how did it go? What was good? What was bad? What can we do better next time? So build that iteration into your pitch cycle as well. Um, so uh, towards, towards the end of last year, I think this might be, well, obviously it's in the future, but this is last year. Uh, so Q3, things got really tight and I was like, okay, we've done advanced subscription agreements or convertible notes with our existing investors, raised a bunch of cash there. Um, thankfully, Founder Path came in and saved the day. I'll t- touch on that in a little bit. Things are getting really tight, and it's like, this is where, this is essentially where we're at. And this is actually from um, a team slide. So every, every quarter, we run an all hands, we get the company. And we're like 50, 60 people, right? So there's 50, 60 people depending on me to get this round closed so they have a future uh, with the company. Um, so try and focus on the positives. Try and tell them where, where we're going and how things could work out. Um, and this is really important, I think. When, it's, when you're going through these challenging times, like keeping everyone behind you and supporting what it is you're trying to achieve and just reminding of that over and over again, but not hiding the fact that, that this is difficult um, is super important as well. Um, so we eventually did find our perfect match, um, what we were looking for. So we had an ideal, ideal investor profile, if you can call it that, which is essentially a B2B SaaS-focused European fund. Uh, we really want to double down on, on what we were doing. So we're, we're based in the UK. We really want to double down on what we're doing in the UK. Maybe launch a couple of new markets, but not North America um, just yet. So really finding someone that understood the business, what we're trying to achieve, bought into our vision, our ambition, and realized that like the way we were going to scale this business. Um, so we, we end up with four term sheets in the end. Um, and it was really the, the last one, which took a lot of work. Uh, I mean, they said no two times. And I kept going back to them every couple of months and said, but you're perfect. And they're like, yeah, but you just need to do that. Um, you know, like a lot of VCs do. But I said, if I do this, will you commit to investing? And said, we'll see about it. They never committed. But in the end, they did. We got to where we need to get to. Um, so what I would say on this is it's really important. Just keep, keep searching for that ideal investor. If you've got the wrong way to do it, like don't settle for, for second best. Um, so section two, I'm going to take you a little bit behind that deal, deal process as well. Uh, what I call climbing mountains in a snowstorm because it's kind of like you're really trying to push, but you've got all these million other things happening in the business as well. Um, so just three things, right? But this is actually probably the biggest takeaway from this whole presentation is the number one thing you have to focus on, whether you're bootstrapped, you're raising venture, or whatever model you're, you're going, if you're profitable, just build a healthy business is number one. It has to be number one. Like a lot of the times we get kind of wrapped up in the fundraising and, and you know, like I need to get to this point, I need to hit this ARR number. But unless you build a healthy business, it's not going to scale. It's going to come with a load of challenges. You'll hire the wrong people because you're under pressure. Um, so really focus on that. And then the second bit is just focus on your deal flow for plan A. Um, so really make sure you give that the time and the energy it needs. Like don't just do this as a side thing. Make sure you've got the team around you that you can basically empowered to deliver the business day to day. I was probably spending 60% of my time on, on this plan A. So I really need the team around me to deliver on that. The last bit, which basically takes up every other waking hour of the day, is the rest of the alphabet. So that's plan A, but the rest of it, you need to have a plan B, C, D, E. Like, who are you going to go to if it doesn't work? Like, what options do you have for cash flow? Uh, whether it's your existing investors, whether it's you cutting back on spend, which is a really uh, is definitely a, a real thing that you, you might need to consider or if it's accessing something like recurring revenue finance or, or venture debt. Um, so make sure you've got those plans in place early because you know by the time you'll need them, it'll probably be too late for you to start putting them in place. Um, so negotiation. Um, 
So this is kind of one of the things we realized uh, and actually is kind of the, the new normal, if you like. Although a lot of VCs are kind of repositioning it, the fact that uh, the couple years preceding last year were a blip and actually it's just re- returned back. Anyway, uh, term sheets are much less favorable now, so expect a lot of things in there. If you see anti-dilution, for example, things like coupons as well, it's basically investors just trying to protect from that downside risk. Um, but one of the ones we, we steer clear from is liquidation preference. Like some funds were like, pretty upfront, they're like, oh, it's a 2x liquidation preference. Like, okay, well, I don't think this is going to work for us. Like, if they're, not, if they're not bought into what you're trying to do today, like, it's, it's kind of like you're backpedaling from that point. Um, so you can, prob- you can probably avoid that. I don't, I'm not 100% sure on how it looked in the US, but this is definitely what we saw from the UK. Um, valuation matters. Um, it really matters for you and your business and what that means for your future uh, and the amount of capital you can raise as well. But there are kind of ceilings in place, like, 20, 50, I mean, this is like later stage companies. Um, earlier stages, you know, it's a little bit more subjective. But uh, mid, mid, late stage companies, it definitely looks like there's some kind of ceilings there. We heard from a lot of people, like this six to seven range was pretty standard. Um, what you can do to control that is just grow your top line hard. So if there's some measures, if there's some, something you can pull in, like whether it's an enterprise sale or something that's slightly off the path of what you would typically do, in order to boost your, your ARR, it will get you a better valuation. Um, not, not long-term strategy, but it's something you can do to basically to change that narrative and also try and price based on your year-end, so what your ARR is going to be rather than what it is today. Uh, and the last one as well, just remember, don't, don't give up control. I, I said I'd use the lasers you see there. Uh, don't give up control. Um, you are best placed to see the ship. If they try and like add additional, like you know, six board seats or whatever, uh, everyone wants a board seat now. Um, tell them they're going to get the same visibility, going to get the same input. Um, you're going to take the decisions because you're best, your best place to do that. Um, if you really need to, if you're latest stage, you might look at like an independent or something. But don't give up control as part of this. I don't think you need to. Um, the last bit in this section is about smart allocation. So actually, this is kind of like what our plan was on the left versus what actually transpired on the right. So like we had like, we, we planned to hire like 20 to 40 new people in the next 12 months. When we set out, we had our full financial model. We had a burn for all our cash in about 18 months or so. Um, since then, we've basically uh, uh, reverted to like a more step and see model. So the, the presentation we saw just before was this kind of hiring in line with your revenue. I think that's a really, really smart way of doing it. So when you're, when you're testing, you're experimenting with whether it's a product or a new market um, or simply like adjusting your team, see that, that the results come through before you start hiring. Um, as the presenter previously said, that's going to be the biggest line on, on your cost base. So re- really uh, have a f- um, fine eye on that one. Um, we were looking at like full team rebuilds. We're just bringing you know, more experienced people. We're going to start this new function that we've really wanted. You, know, you speak to the engineers and like, oh, I need like six new developers. Um, so like that team rebuild is really, really hard now. So that there's a really tight labor market. Um, that's really expensive. You've got recruitment fees. You've got the time to get people up to speed. What we've done instead is focus a lot on leveling up the, the people. So like lots of learning and development, coaching, uh, support professionally, personally, giving that opportunities to grow. Like really look at your current team and what you can do to get them to the next level. Um, we wanted to do a bunch of new stuff. Like we're going to launch in like six new countries and we're going to launch all these new products. Um, we've really scaled back that and start to focus on like what, what are those experiments we can run? Either, either as an MVP, can we launch some, some really early alpha stage products? Can we do a lot more UX and partner research? So we set up things like a partner advisory board, which gives us a lot earlier insights rather than building stuff and shipping it. 
Um, and then the last, last piece on here is like we we're planning on building most of our tech like we did today. We're planning on maintaining that. We've really shifted our focus. And now we think about more in this lens, which is like borrow. So like, is there an API? Is there a company that's building something similar that would kind of jam right into your stack? It's a little bit of work, but you allow, allows you to test that, um, that feature um, or that functionality for your customers without having to go and build the full thing, thing out. The other thing we started looking, looking at, and it's definitely something I encourage all the founders to do, is look at micro-acquisitions. Um, so we use a, a platform called Acquire.com. It used to call MicroAcquire.com. There's a bunch of platforms like this out there. There's lots of companies there, like less than 100K, that can maybe add that killer feature that you were planning to build for like five to 10 times that. Um, so buying, buying tech, small acquisitions can be quite helpful with that. And then finally, our last option is to, to build stuff. Um, so the last bit, um, section three. Oh, almost out of time, but. Um, so two Sherpas. So there's two roles in your business. And actually, it's listening for, to a lot of the presentations today. Uh, I've heard these time and time again. So the, the two most important people, two, two most important roles are people and finance. So people is all about like doubling down on your team, supporting them mentally, emotionally, professional development, personal growth like really, really investing in them is, is going to be crucial for the next 18 months. It was important before. Now it's like, it's essential. Uh, and the second one is finance. So notice these are not like roles. You're not going to go and hire like a, a CPO and a CFO and just give, it, give this problem. These are CEO level responsibilities. You've got to make sure these two things are on track at all times. Um, this image, by the way, random fact, generated by AI. I was like, I want two Sherpas walking up a mountain in a snowstorm, uh, and I couldn't find it on Google. So Dali produced that. Pretty cool. Um, last couple bits. So uh, debt financing uh, and alternative finance. So this is actually our proposal from SVB uh, that we got last year. I think it was about March. Um, but the strings attached here is like, here, we're going to give you like three to five million pounds, pretty decent interest rate, six and a half to eight percent. But you need to close your funding round first. Like, why do we want your money if we're going to close and get a load of money in the bank? So it's kind of like, oh, okay, interesting. Anyway, we spoke to, to Nathan and the founder path team that actually ended up giving us like one and a half million dollars when we really, really need it. And that Q3 crunch, um, super easy platform. You log in, you select your customers, click review. They send you some paper, you sign it. And I was quite surprised. Like we'd hired a CFO by this point. Um, and he was like, I can't believe they just wired us the money. Like, you know, like we filled in some forms and this US company just sent it to us. They did. Uh, anyway, we, we paid it back to them. Very easy. That was a letter they sent to us. And actually, it was only a few months afterwards. You see that most of our balance is still outstanding. Um, so they didn't charge us any repayment fee. So if you are in a bind, like, you know, tap into founder path, the interest rate's a bit higher than what you pay, but you don't have the early repayment fees. So last bit I'll touch on uh, is just kind of three, three lessons. One core theme there, build a sustainable startup. Um, like, don't raise venture money to just support your runway so you can keep experimenting. Go back to the basics, even if it means, like, being uncomfortable for a little bit. Um, so that's definitely number one. Tilt the odds in your favor. I think a lot of this is about making sure that you're staying positive, staying determined, but also bringing your team with you on that journey. Like if you start having like doubts amongst your staff, then it's really going to make this, this uh, a hard process for you. And the last one, and it sounds really stupid, don't run out of cash, but not running out of cash actually starts today. It starts like way early. Like right now we're like, okay, good. We're good for 24 months, but we're going to make sure that we, we, the cash we've got today is going to last us through to cash flow profitability or our next round. Um, so by, our plan is by our next round, we'll probably have about half our cash still in the bank. Um, and we're doing that step and see approach. So like, this is what I'm focused on right now, even though we have cash. So it's not 
you know, it's something really important. Anyway, last, last bit there. So micro context, it's tough out there. It's not getting any easier. So make sure you factor into your, what you're doing. Uh, in terms of the deal, deal process, make sure that you're, you're negotiating the best deal for your team and don't settle for second best when it comes to investors. And a few conclusions there. Is that over time? I think it is. It's counting up. Anyway, I did have one more bit, but I think Nathan's looking at me strange. Um, thank you. Thanks very much. It starts counting up. I know. I know. Good job. Thanks yes. very much. Cheers.